Very welcome to this episode of the live event from NCBI Labs. We have JP Corcoran and Sean Dorn joining myself, Jude Marr, here this week, ready as always to talk about the technology that really makes a difference to you. Now, we've already had a great reaction to our recent live event special dedicated to the launch of Soundscape in Ireland, which Microsoft in partnership with NCBI launched just two weeks ago. If you didn't get a chance to tune in for that, we'd recommend checking out that live event special on YouTube or on all the main podcast platforms as well. Later on in the show today, we're actually going to get a chance to check in with uh, one of those who've tried out the Soundscape app since then, just to get some first impressions of what it's like from a first time user's perspective. So that'll be a little bit later on in the show. We're going to be talking to Dominique Farrell about her experience using the newly available Soundscape app. We also have one of our more regular guests, David Nason, back with us today. And with the Premier League kicking off in England over the weekend, he's going to be talking to us about his efforts to top the Fantasy Football League. So we're going to hear a bit about that as well. And in just a moment, we're going to be talking to Ned Desmond, the man behind the annual Site Tech Global Conference, which was held for the first time just last year. And it'll be coming up again in December of this year. And he's going to be telling us all about the idea behind it, who's been involved with it and uh, what we can expect from this year's iteration of the event as well. So plenty to look forward to on the show today uh, with some tech news and tech help a little bit later on as well. But as always, remember that throughout the show, we want to hear from you as well. So if there are any questions that you'd like answered or technology you'd like us to cover, any questions uh, for, for any of the presenters today as well as we're talking to them, you can contact us using the Q&A panel on the right-hand side of Teams, or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie. So let's get this show on the road. And as we said, first up today, we have Ned Desmond, founder and executive producer of the Site Tech Global event. So you're very welcome, Ned. Good to have you with us. Oh, great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Glad you could join us. Tell us, Ned, just to, to start off with, just for, for anybody who hasn't heard of what the Site Tech Global event is, can you describe it for us? Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, you bet. So um, in, um, in short form, Site Tech Global is a virtual event. We do it online. And the uh, focus is um, the world of technology that's advancing really, really fast, especially in the category of artificial intelligence. And the things, the influence that's having on accessibility technology, assistive technology. Um, so many, many things that we already take for granted uh, on our phone, for example, whether we're sighted or not, um, are a function of AI. Computer vision is a great example. And um, yeah. so is voice recognition. Uh, a lot of these things are already embedded in our daily life. And a lot of things are around the corner that are even more uh, spectacular. And the question is, what should those tools be? Uh, what a downside should we be aware of? How do they become uh, really useful and affordable uh, devices and products and experiences that folks who are blind uh, can take advantage of? 
um, very challenging, um, full of promise, uh, really interesting. We invite technologists from big companies like Microsoft and Google and Apple. We have um, founders and technologists from little startups, and then we have a lot of academics in the mix and then some policymakers too. So it makes for a pretty rich discussion focused on the technology. Yeah, very good. It sounds like quite a kind of a, a broad lineup, all right, of uh, of different ones who are involved, but really interesting kind of subject for it. Where did the idea for, for the conference come from? What was the kind of inspiration behind setting it up in this form? Ah, that's a great question. So a little bit of an origin story. Uh, my uh, my wife is legally blind. She has retinitis pigmentosa. Um, she's not 100% blind yet, but she's pretty close. And so I'm familiar with the uh, tribulations that she's experienced uh, throughout her life um, uh, using screen readers and canes and so forth and so on. Um, so that's one side of the, the starting point of the story. And the other is that for many years I ran this business called TechCrunch, which is the Silicon Valley media company that focuses on technology and startups and venture capital and all of that. And uh, we produce a lot of events. <clears throat> Some of these events are specialized events that might only be focused on robotics or fintech or something like that. And some are huge events that take in the whole startup scene. So over nine years, I ran many of those events. <clears throat> and in particular, uh, one of my big interests personally were the events that we did on AI and robotics. So um, I, had a, I have a pretty big Rolodex when it comes to the people working in this field and, and know my way around it pretty well, although I myself am not a technologist. Um, and I was having a chat the other day, well, it was actually now a couple of years ago, I guess, uh, with the head of a local uh, services organization that helps people who are losing vision or have lost their vision um, called um, uh, the Vista Center for the Blind in, in the Bay Area. And it, Coming up on COVID, uh, their fundraisers, uh, because it's entirely uh, based on, on raising money from local businesses and, and well-to-do folks, had, had collapsed you know, because in-person gatherings yeah, were impossible. Yeah. And so the director said to me, you know, what can we do? And I said, well, you know, I really think that given we're in Silicon Valley and you know, all that means, we should try to produce this virtual event about AI and tech, uh, make it free to all uh, anyone who wants to attend, and then try to get some great sponsorship dollars out of the big tech companies in Silicon Valley. And, and it all worked out pretty well. Yeah, very yeah. good. So tell us a little bit more maybe about last year's event then in that case because that was the the first one wasn't it and um w did you get quite a few attending then online we did we did uh we really <laughs> you know the great great thing about marketing online is uh it's limitless and um we we my buddies at TechCrunch, uh although i was no longer working for the company allowed me to write some posts about the event on TechCrunch. so that helped us get the the uh, audience rolling and in the end we had 4,000 people attend from 70 countries and then we published all of the main sessions on YouTube uh, so people could view them on demand and um, that went really well uh, so you know tens of thousands of people have have watched the sessions that we had with uh, all kinds of people like Saqib Sheikh the guy behind Seeing AI at Microsoft and Chris Fleezak who's one of the principal people at Apple working on uh, accessibility features in the iPhone. So it, it's, it was a great turnout. Um, we also got uh, high marks for accessibility, which the thing is the thing I'm most proud of because it's, it's not easy to do online events uh, for anyone. And many of the platforms um, that deliver online events are score very poorly when it comes to accessibility, I'm sorry to say. But we yeah. built something that was um, really designed uh, for accessibility first. A couple of volunteers worked with me 
And uh, when we asked people how they rated the accessibility of the show, we got a 4.7 out of 5 from all the people who are using screen readers. So we Very thought that nice. was a great success. Yeah, very good. So for anybody who's listening in, they're kind of worried about that. They can kind of not worry too much about that. If they're used to their technology already, they'll they'll be able to to access it this year if they do uh, uh, register for that. Just that idea of um, your your setup last year. Now, can you can you describe a little bit just even the format of how that worked? You mentioned a couple of the uh, speakers that you had, and, and I know you had a vast array of uh, different speakers as well last year w was that in in the um was the sort of format was it a series of talks was it discussion based what was the setup for it well the setup was a combination of one-on-one -on -one chats so we had people like um uh amnon shashua who's the founder of orcam and um he was a one-on-one -on -one chat or sakib sheikh from microsoft a one-on-one -on -one chat um uh, Sarah Hendren from Olin College, who's written a great book on accessibility, uh, was a one-on-one. -on -one. Then uh, about half of the sessions were one-on-ones like that, and the other half were small panels, so two or three people uh, talking things over. For instance, um, one was on augmented reality and perception. What's the best way to get the message across? And the speakers on that panel were Amos Miller from Microsoft, who, who's uh, very close to the Soundscape app, yeah. uh, Sheila Omadran, uh, who's at the University of Michigan, and she's a interface expert, and Ashley Tuan from Mojo Vision, which is a very, very sophisticated, advanced, um, uh, hard to describe exactly, but almost like a contact lens that's that's highly intelligent, thanks to AI, and needless to say, miniaturized. And then uh, Professor Nick Judice, uh, who is at the University of Maine. So they had a great conversation on that. So we mixed it up and we also had um, a, a, a side panel where people could chat, uh, texting uh, each other uh, really to the whole audience. Um, that was technology was provided by Slido and it's considered relatively accessible as those sorts of features go and the audience uh, really enjoyed it because then they could make comments in the course of the uh, watching the conversation but that Brilliant. was the basic layout so we we yeah. put a uh, a big youtube player at the top of the of the first page of the event um, and then there were breakout sessions that were organized in zoom and youtube and zoom are uh, you know, in the larger scheme of things, well designed and well understood by people who use screen readers. And uh, the rest of the site was built in um, uh, a WordPress format that we really rigorously tested to make sure it would work well with um, uh, screen readers. We even had a session beforehand uh, where people could come uh, a day or two before the show and interact with us and, and follow a little a presentation about uh, how the, how the site was organized and how the content was organized and then actually trial it and then come back and ask questions and we had several hundred people participate in that very good yeah very interesting just to to hear about that and uh, it's it's one of the things that's kind of come to my mind just as we're chatting it, it is the kind of primary idea behind it then um information presentation for for any who who attend or is there kind of is there almost that element of there being the the follow-up and you know feedback and the questions that people ask then go on to fuel something else uh you know that's a great question um i well there were i guess you could say that the um there were a few different um reactions that we got when we surveyed the audience after the show to your point about you know what 
what came of it, uh, you know, yeah. kind of reaction was there. And the the speakers uh, were very excited because they they said they got an enormous num amount of outreach from very relevant people that they didn't know before. So academics heard from other academics and from big tech companies and tech companies heard from academics. So, you know, this this for an event yeah, yeah. Uh, creator like me, that's a great sign of success because the reason we convene people in big tech events is to make new connections and to gain new insights. So uh, if you ask the speakers at the event, they would say it was a great success from their perspective because they got all of that. Um, and then the attendees, I think, uh, you know, 4,000 people, there were quite a variety of people in there, uh, you know, yeah. from technologists and students to uh, just curious people who, who are interested in how the tools are going to evolve over the years. And, um, you know, they, you know, we got, I would say the, the main criticism that came through to us is that there wasn't enough opportunity to interact with the speakers. So the audience wanted to, to ask questions and interact more than they were able to. Um, so that's something we've we've taken on board for next year and uh, or this year rather, and we're trying to improve on that. Um, but generally, the reaction was 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 strong, and I think um, the big tech companies especially appreciated the opportunity to uh, send the people who work in these areas who are deeply technical themselves and be on a big stage and talk about their product. Really, you know, in a way that was really oriented to you know, serious talk about product and technology. It wasn't uh, sort of baby talk, just explaining how things work. It was more like, well, what does it really mean if you can uh, take a picture of a setting from your iPhone or from the Seeing AI app uh, and it and an AI in the cloud will tell you what is in the image? You know, yeah. is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Does it potentially violate privacy? Uh, how good are the AI uh, computer <coughs> bases to identify things in a way that's relevant for a blind person? So, for instance, yeah. when 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 does a cane become uh, you know a stick and and that type of thing? So, um, you know, very thought-provoking conversations uh, came from it, and I think in that regard, it was uh, we thought it was a success. Yeah, very good. I'll just mention just before we continue on. I, I think we have one of our. Um, our other guests is on the line at the moment. Uh, if we can just mention to uh, maybe use, I think it's the, is it the star and then six to to mute on a phone pad? Uh, just might help us out there a little bit. We've we've had it before where we go to to mute somebody and uh, unfortunately they can't unmute afterwards. So we better we better not do that this time. Very good. So just thinking um, then, Ned, you mentioned there and and before we get on to this this year's um, event in too much detail. Uh, you mentioned that last year's event was up on YouTube afterwards. Is that still available to people if they want to go and check out a little bit more to get a bit of a flavor of it? Yeah, it is indeed. And um, it's also easy to get to through the website itself. So if you go to sitetechglobal.com and click on agenda, uh, the um, uh, the agenda is laid out there with the speakers and the, and the headlines and the descriptions and also a link to the uh, player so you can uh, watch the uh, session or listen to the session. Um, there's also a uh, easily downloadable uh, text transcript for anybody who wants to um, uh, handle things that way. You know, load it in Braille reader or something like that. So we got a we were we were focused. Uh, we really learned a lot. I have to say, the thing I learned most about in the course of this event is, is the um, you know, the many different ways that 
uh, you can be helpful by being accessible. So I, I got quite an education in that regard, and we tried to deliver on all the suggestions we got. Really good, yeah. And I think something that has kind of quite a powerful concept behind it like this and quite a, an ambitious project as well, um, when it's it's something that's running for the first time, it's it's incredible to see that realised and see the, the effect that, that it has and the, the feedback and everything. But second time round, you're, you're kind of in the position of, ha of having had that experience once and seeing the things you'd like to bring in as well. Can you tell us maybe a little bit more about this year's event? Ah, yes. Well, this year's event, I, I thought I was sweating it last year. Now I'm really sweating it. <laughs> <laughs> the expectations are very high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I'm, I'm uh, but I, I have a great uh, group that works with me on programming ideas, and uh, they're all much more deeply versed in the field than I am. And you know, we're, we're all busy reading and identifying new people who are surfacing with great ideas and great products and interesting technology and all the rest. So, um, to some extent, we're going to take the same approach in terms of structure that we took last year. So it'll be panels and one-on-ones and breakout sessions. Um, the breakout sessions last year were quite a mixed bag and we learned a lot about what people were interested in. So we're going to try to uh, tune the breakout sessions this year to be um, more about conversations that people are really interested in having. So for instance, one big conversation that's very controversial these days, uh, in the United States anyway, is is the right, the correct role of uh, artificial intelligence uh, interacting, uh, you might think of it as between websites and screen readers. So uh, last year we had a session that had, you know, three of the or four of the top people in the screen reader world uh, on it and and they basically concluded that AI is overrated and when it comes to screen readers anyway and that people should just get better at um, learning their keyboard commands uh, but that itself was kind of a controversial outcome and uh, the existence of, of products like Accessibility, which has been more or less condemned by the NFB um, but the rise of other applications of AI to to sort of compensate for the fact that most websites don't do a great job um, uh, uh, preparing for the the, the use with uh, interaction with screen readers yeah, yeah. Um, is is just this big challenge that's that's still out there and there's a there's a very interesting debate about the right approach you know should we just knuckle down on businesses that aren't compliant or should we develop better tools? Um, it's, a, it's a hard one. So that, that's an example kind of interesting conversation that, that we'd like to have in breakout sessions and, and it's, it's an area where we'll develop the show further. And it is a big subject that one. I mean just the the whole element of, of it being such a free-for-all on the internet anyway that people can kind of have a presence online to to have that presence accessible and and uh, to have some sort of standard that can be a, a accessed by screen readers as well. There's definitely a, a, a big challenge involved in that. It's interesting just to hear even that just that format and the, the discussion panels because I'd imagine that there there's a lot of things that come out of that that are maybe not kind of the findings of a report, if you like, but the the opinion elements that are in there actually can be very helpful and very um, eye opening in some ways. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, that's the idea. Certainly, events, um, good events, uh, where where the conversations are are teed up well, uh, I think can be even more revealing than some big paper or or even yeah. a big 
the reporting because that there's a kind of opaque surface over that. And when you get people on stage and they're really interacting with each other, um, and they they almost can't help expressing their their truest views about things. I mean, I'm not talking about politicians here. <laughs> I'm talking about you know technologists who tend to be very direct and candid, and they don't they don't uh, uh, mince words. Um, and so certainly I learned so much just listening to the to the conversations at, at that event um, yeah. because there's you know, in that community there's a lot of uh, you know incredibly interesting stuff and it's very intellectually demanding and people bring different perspectives to it and when you hear them bounce off of each other it's just it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. I'm sure there's absolutely loads of work going into this year's event already. W what point do you reckon there'll be a finalized a list of speakers for for people to check up. Ah, well, uh, I would say uh, by the beginning of November. So it's ah, very uh, good. We like to publish the agenda a month ahead of time, and um, that gives plenty of uh, time for folks to get it on their calendar. Um, and but I'll be breaking a major sweat between now and then. Trust me. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seeing the scope of last year's one, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Um, just before we let you go. Um, what what's the plan then kind of going forward after this year is this something that's each year has its own specific focus and its own specific set of outcomes that you'd like to see something coming out of or is there a kind of longer term uh thing is, is it something that's going to be adaptable to to whatever needs there are each year or is it kind of a long-term focus with uh something that's uh, you know you've you see the future years mapped out for you fairly well well I think I, I, I'm pretty convinced that this this general topic of advanced technology and its impact on accessibility, um, the interplay between the raw technology capabilities and the products that you can build and the community that they're meant for, that and then the many issues that surface in, in that interplay between those three things, uh, is going to be with us for a long time. So every year that comes up, there are going to be. Um, issues, products, developments, discussions uh, that will spring from that, um, which will be the subject matter of our event. So for instance, uh, there's something I can't talk about in right now, but it's a very, very interesting, somewhat provocative and, and pretty monumental initiative that's coming out of one of the big tech companies. And they'll be talking about that at this show. And I would never have seen this coming last year, it's very much part of the um, mm. of the sort of general uh, backdrop that I just mentioned, uh, and that's what is going to be making big news and and spurring a lot of the conversation at the show this year. And then I would be very confident to say next year it'll be something different, something mm. of similar magnitude, because the the technology is moving so quickly, and the uh, challenge of figuring out how to use it and and the right and wrong ways to use it is is so big. Um, that it's we're going to have plenty to talk about for years to come in this general yeah, yeah. framework. You've got to be kind of quick on your feet, don't you? Fairly agile to, to respond to things that come up. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, so I to be running it for for years to come. It's it's entirely all the funding, all the sponsorship money uh, goes to the Vista Center for the Blind in, in Silicon Valley, which is a great organization and um, uh, all of the people who work on the show uh, volunteer their time, including me. And, uh, you know, we're very proud to do this on behalf of the Vista Center. Brilliant. Well, it's it certainly sounds like a very interesting project, I suppose. But before we um, finish up completely, people will want to know 
uh, having spoken about this now and heard a little bit about it, how can they attend or is there a cost to attending or what's the what's the situation for that? Uh, the show is entirely free and you can register now. Um, if you go to uh, sitetechglobal.com, it should, I hope, be pretty straightforward to find the register button and it'll uh, take you to a Google form uh, where you give us your name and uh, email address and uh, maybe another piece of information or two and that's it. And we will uh, send emails and remind people that the show is coming up uh, as we uh, build the agenda and get ready for December 1 and December 2. So it's free. It's 8 a.m. to noon Pacific time, which is pretty good for uh, people in Europe uh, and uh, and most of the rest of the globe. Um, that that time slot is is the waking hours of, of a good part of the globe. So that's why we chose it. So yeah. uh, registration is open. It's free. Um, and uh, we encourage people to register and, and join us. Yeah, very good. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Ned. I know that your your time is a little bit tight at the moment. So what we might do, I think there's probably going to be one or two questions coming in as well. Sure. If you're OK, we'll forward them on to you and you uh, we'll get some answers to our to our listeners. That'd be right. great. Thanks very much. Well, thanks. For thank you very me. much for joining us. Appreciate that. So that Sorry. was Ned Desmond there telling us all about the Site Tech Global event and uh, certainly sounds like there'll be an, an interesting lineup there for this year as well. Very good. So that was uh, Ned Desmond talking to us there. Reminder to check out uh, the Site Tech Global events, uh, last year's event on YouTube if you want to check that out a little bit. And also for the, the uh, NCBI Labs live events, any of our previous live events are also on YouTube. So if you want to check those out, by all means do so. Now, as we said earlier, there's been great interest in the launch of Soundscape in Ireland, with an awful lot of people very eager to, to check it out and uh, download it as well. One of those people is Dominique Farrell, and Dominique has agreed to join us this week to give us her first impressions of Microsoft Soundscape. So you're very welcome, Dominique. Thank you. Thank you, Jude. Good to have you on the show again. You, you were with us before, of course. Yes, I was. <laughs> Very good. So tell us, Dominique, we'll, we'll just get your feedback with how the uh, Soundscape app worked for you. How how did you manage with it in terms of just uh, downloading and setting it up? Was it fairly straightforward for you? Oh, it's very straightforward. I, uh, everything was explained. Um, you had to allow your location and Bluetooth. So after that, then um, I went out today with my AirPods Pro, which I'm wearing now, and I was absolutely blown away by everything that was announced to me. If it was on my right, it would be announced in my right ear, or on my left, it would be in my left ear, or straight ahead, it would be in both ears. And there was things that I didn't even know. Uh, I was passing businesses and premises and I mean, I lost my sight, as I said, two years ago, so I would know the environment that I'm walking. But with um, Soundscape, I actually know things now uh, that I didn't know when I had sight. Wow, yeah, very good. So <laughs> you're, mm. you seem pretty happy with that. Was it easy to kind of use some of the features? Uh, we spoke about the idea of setting a marker and setting a beacon and all those sort of things. How did you find that? Was that fairly straightforward? Was it effective? 
Well, I actually set the marker and the beacon before I left the house, so I wouldn't have to take my phone out at all when I was walking with my guide dog, Minnie, because I don't like to be too distracted because it takes away from her work as well. So I worked her as normal and um, it actually informed me when I was approaching a crossing or an intersection. I mean, I just, the only downside is I have to put up with Myra in my ear all the time. <laughs> You're not a fan of the Myra voice, I take it. No, it's the male Irish Siri voice that I have on my iPhone that I would love to have. Yeah. And I actually emailed the Soundscape, but I've heard nothing back yet. Well, we're definitely getting a, an unbiased uh, review of this and first impressions <laughs> of it anyway. So they, no, uh, but they, I mean, it, that yeah. will actually take away. I mean, uh, you know, I love using the app and I won't yeah, stop yeah. using it because of the voice. But, you know, it, it's yeah. more beneficial to know, to know your surroundings and where you're going. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really and good. It, and, a, go on. Sorry. It's actually made me more independent and more confident going out now because even though I knew these routes when I had sight, I didn't yeah. do them uh, since I've no sight until I got a Microsoft Soundscape. And now it's enabled me to go for it. Yeah, very good. You did say there's something about your headphones. Did you change your headphones to, to use Soundscape? I did because um, I was using the AirPods uh, second generation and I know with these with the AirPods Pro that there's nice noise cancellation so you can actually hear what's going on around you as you're walking uh, which is very uh, useful when you're walking a guide dog because you need to have full concentration and if I couldn't hear uh, my surroundings, um, my concentration yeah. would be diminished. That's yeah, actually that's a good it. point, point, Jude, because um, yeah. like, like the AirPods Pro, like they have that transparency mode, which allows mm. sound to come through the earbuds, blend with the music or your voiceover, and you hear both. So if you are walking towards traffic lights and it's making a sound to let you know to cross the road, you can hear that your ears aren't being blocked from that because the AirPods Pro have noise cancelling features that if you are sitting on a bus or at home, it'll actually cut out sounds completely and you're only getting your audio. So it's like if there was a dog barking or you had a fan, uh, you know, like to, to, to cool the air. Yeah. Uh, the noise cancelling feature can actually completely block out those features. So you're only getting your audio and they'll have that transparency mode where it's allowing audio to come through from the outside. So like Dominique's yeah. saying, you know, she's walking down the street, she can hear traffic and hear people coming. And I know like we kind of discussed in the past about using like those type of headphones, like, like the AirPods Pro or some of the more advanced headphones that will allow that. And then also people are using um, like the bone conductive headphones, which yeah. you know your which your ear is completely free, and you know it, it it's vibrating through the, the cochlear bone, and you're getting the information that way. But you might not get the full 3D effect using one of them. While the AirPods Pro and other and other earbuds will have 
uh, like, you know, 3D audio, when you get that 3D effect and you listen to Dominic's describing, you're walking down the street and it's going to your left ear and your right ear and you can feel it moving as you turn. Yeah. Um, so it's kind so, of like, which would yeah. work best for you. Okay, yeah, that's actually just what I was what I was thinking there. Is that the, the situation that there's a few different types that will give you a good experience of it, but it just really depends on what you need, yeah. what situation you need it for. Like some people are going to feel more comfortable with the aftershock type bone conductive headphones because their ears are completely free and there's nothing in their ear and they're getting this electro vibration against their, their, their cochlea or their cheekbone, whichever depends which type of, uh, you know, headphones you're using in that, in that, in that regard. And then some yeah. people prefer to use the things like the AirPods Pro because you're getting the audio pass through and you're getting that 3D sound. So sometimes like it's robbing Peter to pay Paul, which you might want your ears completely free, but you might not get the full effect of the 3D sound or that you want the 3D sound and you're going to use audio pass through. And I think, I, I think Dominic, you don't mind using the, the AirPods Pro. It's probably a big difference than the, your last pair of AirPods you're using. A huge difference. And I never actually went out with the other earphones in my ear for that reason. Because I did, as I say, I didn't want to be distracted, and I knew by wearing the pro that I that wouldn't happen. Because I, I I know I, I have a pair of Sony earbuds that have have similar pass through and similar uh, noise blocking capabilities. So if I'm on public transport, I completely can block out all the sound, and I'm only getting music. But if I'm out walking, I put on the transparency mode so that I'm getting cars and bicycles so I can hear all that stuff too along with the music. And can you do that with the um, AirPods Pro? Yeah, 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 you have to go into, there's different settings on it for complete noise cancelling. Now you don't want to use that when you're outside, but if you're indoors or maybe in public transport, you might want to use that feature. Um, you oh, know, to, okay. So you like for just you'd use the the, um, the earbuds for different occasions. Like, I mean, if you're if you're listening to an audiobook in private in the house and you don't want to hear your neighbor's dog barking, I would use the noise cancelling. But when I'm out and about, I don't want to use noise cancelling because I want I want to get you know my environmental sounds. Oh, very good, very good. So it kind of I suppose that that just emphasises the point as well that the um, the Soundscape app is is brilliant and it's very, very good. It's a really good app, but it needs to be kind of used in conjunction with the right things. So even I suppose we've not talked about it here, but just the the uh, mobility techniques that we mentioned in the, the uh, live event a couple of weeks ago, it kind of needs to be used in conjunction with with these other elements. But certainly, Dominique, your first impression is is a good one of Soundscape. Oh, yeah, well, I never actually Today was my first day to use a navigation app. I've never used one before and I was waiting for Soundscape and I was literally blown away by it and I wouldn't download any other navigation app. I love it and I love the audio beacon and uh, it tells you how far you are away from the beacon or how close you are and I just think it's fantastic and uh, fair play to Microsoft, but you have to change the voice. You have to get uh, <laughs> the Siri voice, male Siri voice, Irish. Well, there you go. We've got the, the feedback that we needed there anyway. So, <laughs> and fair play to yourself as well, Dominique. Thank you for coming on to the show and giving us your first impressions. We appreciate that. Thank you very that. much for having me. Thank you. Very good.
So certainly Dominique is uh, happy with everything from the voice by the sense of it. Uh, but uh, the uh, Soundscape app seems to be uh, doing exactly what it said it would uh, in terms of being able to find your way around and know the, know the environment around you as opposed to the uh, just the, the directional side of it or given directions, but just having that that soundscape that's going on around you. So really interesting to hear Dominique's thoughts on that. And if anybody has any other comments about the Soundscape app and you want to let us know how you're getting on with it, please do. And uh, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Very good. So just before we get into uh, our next subject with David Nason, uh, let's move into our tech news just briefly. I'm not sure that we have uh, Sean or JP up first. Who's, who's uh, up first for some tech news? It's myself there. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll, I'll take that bullet. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I was just uh, looking recently, and um, I know some I know some of our service users use it, but the the flick type keyboard on Apple, uh, people a lot of people use it on on their on their Apple watches. It's no longer being uh, going to be released on the on the App Store for a number of different reasons. The developer was having issues with releases, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, it, it was quite a handy keyboard. It was, it was sometimes easier to use on the phone, and it worked very well with VoiceOver. Um, yeah. But it's not going to be released on um, that suite of apps anymore. So I know some people are saying they're not going to download the latest update and lose the keyboard. They're going to try and keep it as long as possible. And you know that will work to a certain extent. But we know that when you have an app that hasn't been updated in a long time, and if iOS updates to 15 and 16, etc., it'll get to a stage where that app without being updated will no longer work with that operating system anyway. Yeah. So hopefully this can be something that can be resolved between the developers and Apple so people can keep this keyboard and it might return to the App Store. But I just wanted to let people know in case they weren't aware of this and you know it updates and then they'll lose this feature on their watch if if, if, if the flick type keyboard was something that they were using. It's just something to be aware of. Okay, so if they if they don't go ahead and update, then they're kind of okay for a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I wouldn't recommend you know keeping an app that's yeah. not updated for too long because you know it can lead to security issues or it can lead to just incompatibility issues on your on your device, and then you know that that can affect things on, on a broader level. If you have an app that's sort of slightly rogue on the operating system, and you're wondering why maybe VoiceOver has stopped working correctly in other, in other areas, sometimes it's because you might have an, an outdated app that might be just causing, you know, a slight bit of uh, issues between other apps. And that, yes, that, yeah. that's, that's why I'd be kind of, you know, I'd rather not keep an app that I can't update or shouldn't update. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's kind of good for people to know as well. Just uh, it might be a little bit of a workaround at the moment, but definitely not something to to keep indefinitely. Yes. And JP, yes. what's the? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so another, another new story. You talk. No, you talk. No, you talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll shoot. So there's another, another news story that uh, what people might be interested in hearing about is that there is now a Siri shortcut that's been introduced for ejecting water from an iPhone to improve the sound quality of the phone. So it can easily happen. You have your mobile phone, it gets wet when you're out in the rain, you spill water on it, or of course, worst case scenario, you drop it into water altogether, get submerged in water. It can happen to anyone. And of course, this is what will cause damage to the phone speaker. Uh, the good news now, of course, 
people might be familiar with the an IP rating on a phone. So iPhones are both splash and water resistant. So they come with an IP rating. IP in this case stands for ingress protection. It's basically a standard that defines how well the phone is able to resist the intrusion of water and dust over time. But currently, all the latest models of iPhone, talking about maybe uh, my phone, for example, uh, SE, 7, 8, SE, XOR, 10, they come with an IP rating, it's IP67. The more new iPhones, the, the more expensive models, iPhone 12, uh, Pro and Mini and uh, Max have an IP rating of IP68, a bit better. So despite this though, um, it can happen over time that water will get clogged up in the speaker and that can affect the overall sound quality of the phone. But as I mentioned a moment ago, there's now a way to eject water from the phone using a Siri shortcut. Now, I haven't tried this, so I can't send over it, but just to let people know. Um, so Siri shortcuts are basically a, a quick a quick action across apps on, on iOS. And the take technique rather basically involves installing and using a Siri shortcut that emits a very low frequency sound that in theory should eject water from the iPhone. So how do we use this? The first thing you do is go to install the shortcut itself by we select a specific download link, which is available from iCloud.com. If anyone is interested, we can send them out the, the link itself. We can contact labs. But we do plan actually on featuring an article on this uh, series shortcut in an upcoming technology newsletter. So you can hold off and wait for that as well. So the shortcut itself is known as Water Eject. Uh, so once a shortcut is added to the shortcut library, it can then be launched. So we select the option Begin Water Ejection. That will initiate uh, the process. So as I mentioned a moment ago, it initiates um, or emits rather a very low frequency sound from the phone that as I say in theory should enhance the phone's sound quality as the water is actually spilled out, believe it or not, from the speaker itself. The process itself will take a few minutes and when it's complete, you'll get a notification to say that it's, it's, it has finished. And it is worth noting that once it's installed, you can actually ask Siri to launch the shortcut by just saying, hey Siri, water eject. And that will initiate the process. Um, important to remember though that there's no such thing as a truly waterproof phone. So this is a handy tip that is perhaps worth trying during those during those times that your phone will get wet, for example, out in the rain or if it's dropped in, in water. But worth, worth noting, we're trying if, uh, if all yeah, that's very good. Mm. And and you wouldn't just go and, um, you know, just drop your phone in a... Yeah, I was just to test it. it out for us, no? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I want to be that guinea pig, Jude. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody's stuck in that position, it's worth a try, but <laughs> let exactly. us know if that yeah, works yeah. as well. There's no yeah. other options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it is one of those things as well, isn't it? If the, if the water gets into the speaker, the sound quality is yeah. completely changed. So it's kind exactly. of uh, interesting. You can yeah. actually hear, hear whether it works or not. Exactly. But, you will hear theories. Oh, you can put it in a bag of rice and so on. But yeah. you can have, can have yeah. um, mixed results. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So certainly yeah. worth a try if, 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 yeah. if all else fails. Yeah. Very good. And uh, again, let us know if you do try that. Yes, very good. To hear people's uh, feedback, see if it works or not. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, thanks to uh, Sean and to JP there for this week's tech news and uh, and uh, quick tip all rolled into one this week too. So next on the show, we're going to be talking to one of our more regular guests. David Nason is back with us to talk to us about uh, fantasy football. So welcome back, David. Thanks, Jude. Great to be here. Yeah, good to have you with us again. David. I actually have a little tip for Dominique. Can I throw that in there? Well, yeah, absolutely. 
because I I was I I'm a I have her back because I hate Moira myself. Um, <laughs> if you go in the Soundscape app, if you select the menu button and then settings and then voice, you can choose different voices. Yeah, very good. Yeah. It's, it's it's because Moira sounds like a strict Irish school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Moira is getting a terrible <laughs> terrible press here today. <laughs> very good. So if you want to change your your uh, voice on Soundscape, there's how to do it. But you're here to talk to us about fantasy football, and from what Sean yeah. tells me, you're not talking about like wizards and elves playing football. <laughs> No, this is all connected to the English Premier League. Um, I think this game's been going a bit near, close to 20 years anyway, 15, 20 yeah. years. I'd say this game's gone really, really popular, like, like almost 10 million people play it, I think. That's incredible. Do you know, it's one of those things that I kind of tried out a few years ago and I haven't really, haven't really revisited it. But if anybody's kind of listened to it, what, what's the appeal of fantasy football? I suppose if you're a football fan and you're a fan of the Premier League, it just adds a little bit of extra interest and a bit of extra spice. You might support your own team. I'm a Spurs fan myself, but it's kind of also adds something extra for a reason to pay attention to the matches. And it can be a good bit of fun with other, you know, with friends or colleagues. You can set up mini leagues where you take each other on. And what you do is you select, you have a set amount of money and all the players in the league have a value and then you have to pick your team with your uh, with the, the money you have. Yeah. And so you select what you think is the best team to win you points and then you can make transfers during the season and there's all sorts of rules like that as well. So it's uh, so then you can be you can be a Spurs fan, but still like somehow supporting some players playing for Liverpool or something, you know, because he's going to get yeah, you yeah. points. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, very good. I was going to say, you know, it sounds amazing, but does it commiserate you? Uh, can commiserate with you as a Spurs fan? But it can, it can it tear, tear you apart this week, can... is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it can tear you That's apart because yeah. you're like, yeah. But it's it's great fun, and it's, of course, it's just your points are based on the real world, you know, performances. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have everybody on the opposing team on your team this week, then there's no loser. <laughs> Either your yeah. team wins or your fantasy football team gets a lot of points. Yeah, it can go that way. <laughs> and are there like loads of different fantasy football platforms out there? There are like, so the one I play generally is the official Premier League one. Um, so it's run by the league themselves. Um, and that's probably the biggest, most popular one. Um, there is one with Sky, who I actually work for, but I'm not actually playing that game. Um, yeah. And plenty of others, if you, you know, out there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but the, the biggest one seems to be the official one. So tell us about just the kind of accessibility of, of that one then. Uh, is that yeah. fairly well usable, fairly easily? used yeah it has its it has its little issues here and there do you know what i mean it's not it's not mm. perfect but i've found it to be you know manageable um now i would have started playing it you know back 15 years ago or something when i had more vision and was using magnification now i have a screen reader user and i'm still able to to play it to sign up to sign in and to you know manage my team the website's yeah. pretty good it'll have little weird things like instead of reading the player's name it'll say all in one string it'll say something like i don't brighton sanchez gk which means which is actually for sanchez is the name of the player brighton is his team and gk is his position and it's reading it as one big string and it can be a bit hard yes, to understand yeah. what the screen reader is saying there's weird little things like that um, when you're looking at your team, you have two views. You've got a pitch view, which kind of has them laid out, if you know the way they would on showing mm -hmm. a formation on TV kind of thing, or you can look at list view. And I find list view 
is much more accessible than the pitch view, for example. So yeah. uh, you can kind of learn little tricks like that and getting around the website and learning where the headings are and where things are. You know, it's a bit of a, there's a lot going on on that website, which is one of the reasons I find the mobile app a bit easier to use for probably 90% of what I want to do. Right. Yeah. And and even like changing your players around or whatever, switching them in and out of your team or mm -hmm. uh, however, that's, that's all very accessible as well. Yeah. And especially in the app. So um, you can download the official Premier League app and one of the tabs at the bottom is fantasy. You sign in for your team and you can pick your team. You can do your transfers. You can look at your mini leagues, see how you're doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know look at the fixtures yeah, yeah. that are coming up you can do all of that within the app and it's uh it's yeah very accessible it could do with more headings and stuff to make it easier to navigate around you there's a bit of explore by touch on that main screen to find where you want to go but because uh, yeah. you'd be swiping all day maybe to get to them but uh, apart from that yeah, though yeah. it is everything's pretty well labeled now, now i guess with fantasy football it's maybe a little bit of a different kind of subject than we often talk about on our live events but there's a kind yeah. of an interesting element with it which is just I, I suppose how inclusive that that is because there's quite a, a kind of a, a community feel to the whole uh, fantasy football movement anyway isn't there yeah yeah like i say it's it's, it's very big if you go onto twitter there's millions of people <laughs> talking about it and yeah different kind of groups and like I say there's mini leagues so like i would play a mini league i should say is so you know you win points every week and you can see what your overall rank is in the whole game and you can see where yeah. you're doing versus other people in ireland or the club that you support but you can also create invitational private leagues so like in work we'd have a league or among some of my friends we'd have a league so yeah. again it's a thing we're all taking part in and it doesn't matter who can see and who can't it's just it's yeah a, yeah it's just uh everybody's in you know I suppose that's got that's got a great kind of appeal to it as well. If you're if anybody wants to try it out, you can invite, you know, just two or three others and you'll always be at least in the top four. It's yeah, great. That's true. <laughs> Qualify for the Champions League every year. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I suppose those uh, the, the various invitational leagues, they can be they can be pretty much whatever size you want them to be, can they? Yeah, I'm not sure if there's an upper limit, but I'm in I'm in some one that has like three or four people and i'm in some that have thousands of people so um yeah they can certainly be be big <laughs> there's no yeah, yeah. no real limits yeah so a lot of it's kind of the, the bragging rights and is there i suppose there's a central oh. league as well that's got all the players in it yeah so you can see your overall rank is what they would yeah, call that yeah. Um, yeah and then visually now you can see a little arrow that shows you kind of if you've gone up or down this week kind of thing with voiceover, certainly in the app, I'm not seeing that. If I go to the website, I think it'll show me your my movement with the screen reader. So you can kind of see how you're how you're doing uh, yeah. versus the previous week and that kind of stuff as well. Uh, very good. I think I, I remember when I was doing it a few years ago, I was in three or four different leagues and you'd be doing OK in one league and you'd think this is great. And then you check your mm -hmm. overall rating and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe I'm not a genius at this after all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah exactly. there was me thinking. Right, it's funny because some people, knowledge. some people kind of give up. You know, you tend to yeah. see if it's not going well by Christmas, you're like, ah. By some people, you mean <laughs> me, basically. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. Um, yeah, absolutely. Some people are very yeah, yeah. driven though, as well. There's people doing this almost as a job. It seems like they're spending yeah, that much yeah. time in their lives. So. Yeah. There's a real kind of analytical thing to it as well, isn't there? 
Oh God, yeah, yeah. There's websites you can go to get stats, and oh, yeah, you could, yeah. You could spend your, your day doing it if you want to do. I prefer to have a bit of fun and just not worry too much about it. You can We've wake managed. up sometimes in um, yeah. there's a deadline each week where you have to set your. So this week, it's an hour and a half before the first match. Basically, is the deadline each week, and if it's on a Saturday morning, you can when you've been out for a few drinks the night before or something, you can wake up in a cold sweat, panicking about. I didn't set my captain this week. I didn't make that transfer I wanted to make. So, yeah. <laughs> That's all you need is another deadline every week. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, very good. It's uh, a question that we've managed to avoid so far, but you probably know it's coming. How did your team do in the first week? I did okay, actually. I think I got the average was 69 points and I got 94, which oh, sure. it was a very high scoring average week. Um, so I did pretty well, but somehow I'm still like 827,000 in the world. So a lot of people did better than me still. It's like a great example of you saying you think you had a great yeah, yeah. week and then you look at the, the overall rank. But if yeah. there's several million in it, I guess that's not too bad. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, very good. We'll have to check in with you again through the season, see how you're yeah. getting on. <laughs> no Spurs no, players, believe it or not. But No Spurs <laughs> players. Man, <None>. and <laughs> there's, there's so many places I could go with that, Dave. <laughs> you mean you're a success with no Spurs players? Wow. <laughs> Similar to, to Harry Kane at the moment. He's probably there. feeling a little bit little bit like like that. <laughs> He's not involved in Spurs managed to beat the champions, yeah. That's it. Very good. Well, it's it's kind of interesting just to hear about that. And uh, it, it is something that a lot of people have been kind of very involved with. And as you say, there's that kind of the, the varying levels. Somebody can get as involved as they want to with it. Um, so it's kind of a, a great little pastime for for people. Great sense of community as well. So it's something that uh, is is quite interesting. Just interesting to know that it is um, accessible and usable as well. So yeah, we'll have to check back in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for talking to us about that this week, David. And we um, look forward to no chatting to you again at some point. I, I, if anyone's interested, I've done a couple of. Um, I did a demo of it. If if people want to, it's quite yeah, long now, but on my yeah. on my YouTube channel, um, which is YouTube.com/slash Dave Mason, or on the AppleViz podcast feed, I, I put it out as well, where I run through. Now it is about an hour long, but if you want to kind of get a, a detailed view of the app and the website and that kind of stuff, uh, you can do that. And I have a mini league. If anyone is. Um, is already on it or what is going to join us. Uh, the code is APFEDD. And uh, people good. are welcome to, to jump in. Give us that code again. So it's A for Alpha, P for Papa, F for Freddy. I don't know. E for Echo, D for Delta, D for Delta. Excellent. Very good. So uh, so you've already got a, a league set up and everything. So if anybody's interested in joining that, that'll be that'll be good to hear how, how that's progressing as well through the season. So thanks for uh, join us, David, and we look forward to having you back at some point in the future as well. Thanks for having me as always. Thank you. Very good. So we've had a, a fairly packed show with different subjects today, um, but it's uh, just about the time to, to wrap up the show. Just wanted to mention as well that uh, if you want to get support from NCBI, uh, whether that's technology assistance, which you can get from the labs team from nine to five, Monday to Friday on 1850-92-3060, or you can email labs at ncbi.ie, or NCBI services, you can call 1850-3343-53, or email info at ncbi.ie. 
Of course, we also always appreciate your support of NCBI as well. And if you'd like to make a donation to help support our services, you can do that through donate.ncbi.ie. Very good. And before we go, just a reminder of what we'll be talking about in some of our future live events. We're going to be talking to some of our colleagues in RNIB uh, who are running the Tech Talk show there, and uh, we're hoping to, to have them onto one of our future shows. We're also going to be talking about the Amazon show, and uh, that'd be quite interesting. That should be on our next live event. Um, and, and one of the, the kind of pub, popular subjects that we haven't covered too much on live events up to this point. There's a variety of different smart glasses out there um, and a lot of people have found them of, of some use. A lot of others have maybe been kind of a little bit uh, disappointed because their expectations were were maybe a little bit different to what the, the smart glasses actually delivered. So we might just uh, include that on one of our shows as well coming up. Just a, a little bit of a, an overview of the various different types of smart glasses and uh, which ones are actually um, are, are actually quite a good tool for uh, people with sight loss. Reminder that our next show is in two weeks time. So that's Tuesday, August the 31st at our usual time of 2.30. And if you want to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events as well as plenty more, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to do that as well. So all that's left for me to do is to thank our guests today, David Nason, Dominique Farrell and Ned Desmond. And of course, thanks to everyone listening in as well. And from Sean, JP and myself, goodbye for now. And we look forward to having you all back with us soon for another NCBI Labs live event.